thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. We'll try that one again. Good morning. morning. Wonderful, great stuff. Good singing, good worship, yes? Yes? Good, good, good. Well, Johnny emailed me and he told me he was away this weekend. I'm getting a habit of this. When I come, he goes. Was there a reason for that? Just like my preaching, perhaps? I don't know what it is. But he gave me uh, the subject of four words. And the four words were, I am with you. I'm going to read together from the Word of God, from Matthew chapter 28 and verses 16 to 20, the words of Jesus. The Bible says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you. Always, five words, to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word in our language. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was in a church yesterday morning where there was no clock at all. I'm in a church this morning where I've got a countdown, how long I've got to preach, all the contrasts of life. Don't look around, it'll, it'll disappoint you. Okay. The context of this passage of scripture is quite simple. Judas has left, he's gone to betray Jesus, and he's committed suicide, and there are 11 disciples left. And Jesus has told them to go to Galilee This is before he was arrested and crucified and before he was raised from the dead and he's told them to go to Galilee because I will meet you there. He had told them on at least three occasions he was going to be betrayed, arrested, tried, condemned and crucified and on the third day he would rise again. But like most of us, we just remember the bad news. They forgot about the fact that he was going to rise again. So when he did rise again, they go to the grave, they go to the tomb, and they're disappointed because his body isn't there. And then two folk are walking down the road to Emmaus, and they're miserable. Why the long face, as the song says? Don't you understand what's happened? And Peter is distraught because he's denied Jesus. And finally, they all meet up together in Galilee. 
James, Peter, John, all the other disciples are there. And Jesus is going to spend some time with them. And you get different accounts of this from the four different writers of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Matthew records for us here, they go to Galilee and they meet him. And the first thing is they, they worship him. They realize they're in the presence of the Son of God, and in the presence of the Son of God, you just bow down and you worship. Sometimes we meet people, don't we, who've met their heroes, and they've met them unexpectedly, or they've come across them somewhere, and you ask, they say, when I met them, I was just tongue-tied. What did you say? I didn't know what, I was overawed by them, the the presence of the footballer, yeah, or the film star, or the rock musician, or whatever it might be, and suddenly they're just in awe of this person, and they just don't know what to say. Well, the disciples say they're, they're with Jesus for the first time since they were in the upper room together and then they saw him betrayed and crucified and so on. And finally, they're going to go and meet Jesus and they meet him and they worship him. Let's put it in context. These people had followed Jesus for three years. They'd seen him do miracles. They didn't want him to go, but he was going to go. Now, life is like that, isn't it? Life is the end of one thing and the beginning of another. That's what life's all about, you know. Somebody said to me the other day, I'm, I'm amazed how fast Thursdays come round. I think it was Thursdays. I'm saying, well, every seven days you get a Thursday. It's not kind of rocket science, is it? Let's slip Thursday and after Monday this week and really confuse people. No. The end of one thing is always the beginning of another. I was in prison just the other week there, and a young man has has come out of prison. It's the end of the prison sentence, but it's the beginning of a life outside of prison. It's the end of a school term, and it's the beginning of another one after that. It's life is a, a series of endings and beginnings. Some ends we want to see, and some ends we don't. <laughs> and some beginnings we want, and some beginnings we don't. But the disciples here had no choice. He had risen from the dead, appeared to them, and finally they meet him in Galilee. And Matthew records for us here the last meeting of Jesus and the disciples. And they worship him. Now that's not an unexpected thing in the presence of the Son of God, who's risen from the dead. And amazing things have happened in Jerusalem. But some doubted. Doubted. What? We can sit here all high and mighty today and say, oh, why, why would they doubt? Have you never doubted God? Have you never doubted God? Why has God ended that bit and started this bit? Why didn't God do something then? They doubted. They, they doubted the certainty of the future. They maybe doubted the reality of Jesus going. They doubted the future as they were going to face it without Jesus. And they worshipped, but some doubted. Doubt is a human frailty which we all have. 
We can have total confidence in somebody, but sometimes into our minds comes this nagging little doubt, like a woodpecker tapping away. Can you really trust them? They doubted. I don't think they doubted who Jesus was. They doubted the future without him, perhaps. Life was going to change. Oh, yes, they'd seen him crucified. They'd seen him after he's risen from the dead. And now they were going to go on this mountaintop in Galilee and he was going to speak to them for the last time. And there were doubts. So do you doubt about tomorrow? Yeah, you can do, you know. Uncertainty about, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Remember the days when you used to get letters through the letterbox? Remember those days when you used to write your letter? You're that, I'm, I'm that old, yeah, I can remember it. And the date mark was three weeks ago. And it contained important news. And you get the news and it's too late, it's all happened and gone. Now you get an email or you get a text message on Instagram. Yeah, I'm down with the kids, me, you know, I can't use it, but I know what it does. All kinds of things flash into our minds and our lives by phones and computers and all the rest of it. And tomorrow, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but it could change in a moment. Absolute moment. But we have to have a confidence in the God that knows about tomorrow. Amen. God knows all about tomorrow. Wants to take care of us tomorrow. Need to trust him. So they meet Jesus on this hilltop, and some and they worshipped, and some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority on earth, in heaven and on earth, has been given to me." You know, if some world leaders read that and believed that wars would stop famines could be avoided disasters could be averted as we acknowledge that all authority lies with him all authority I'm fascinated by the way that we as human beings mess things up the only things that we haven't messed up are the things we haven't touched yet. I reckon if we got to the sun, it wouldn't be as bright because we'd mess it up. We've been on the moon and God very graciously hasn't allowed us to mess that up too much yet. But all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. With my authority, I am sending you out into a world that does not understand me, that does not believe in me, that does not want to know me. I am sending you out into that world to teach, to preach, to baptize, and to bring into my kingdom those that you meet. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So take all that I've given you, all that I've taught you, and tell them, and tell them how important it is, and how vital it is, and show them by your life that you mean it, and go out there and make disciples, not make Christians. But get people to follow me, tell them about me, and the Holy Spirit of God who will come upon these 11 people in a few days' time, will be with you. John has spent a lot of time with Jesus, and he, he writes about it in his, in, his, in his gospel, chapters 13 to 16, 17. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to come. You're not on your own. You're not going to be orphaned. You're not going to be friendless. You're not going to be drifting around like some, like some boat on the ocean, wherever the wind might take you. I am sending the Holy Spirit to be in you, to empower you, to enable you, to lift you up when you are down, to bring you back to the center when you err and stray, to bring conviction to people. He's the one that saves. Are you praying for somebody? Is there a friend in your family? Is there a, somebody that you know that you long to see them trust Christ? You can't save them. Only the Holy Spirit of God can save. God hasn't given that burden to any human being to save a soul. And I'm glad. I've said it many times, and I believe it with a passion. If the eternal welfare of one soul depended upon me, I couldn't sleep at night. But it doesn't. It's God that saves. It's the power of Jesus that enables these disciples to go and do what they're going to do. It's the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus that gives them the, the words to speak and the words to say and what to do to bring them into a place where they can tell folk about Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples teach, show, guide, direct. Don't save them. Just tell them. Teach them, but baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism here next week. Somebody's going to get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's just water. But it's publicly declaring what's happened to that person. You'll find out more about that next week. But part of the great commission of Jesus here is to go with his authority. Now, when somebody tells you something, whether you obey it or not, depends on two things. The first thing is what you've been told, yeah? And the second thing is the person that's told you, right? So when my grandchildren come to me and tell me what to do, as they invariably do, we had three yesterday, they made a film about that. It was called The Longest Day. <laughs> and they want to tell me what to do. And invariably I say, no. Because I listen to what's been told. And I look at who's told me. You see, when a person tells somebody about Jesus, it is the single most powerful message 
than anybody could ever hear. And there are some powerful messages in this world. But the message of Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he gave his life for the sin of the world, and by faith in him, I can be cleansed from my sin, and I can be forgiven, and I can have a home in heaven, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. That is awesomely powerful. That is the single most positive message that anybody could ever hear on planet Earth, ever. So go into all the nations because they need it and tell them about me. I have commanded you to do this and tell them everything that I've taught you. Now, sometimes the words of Jesus are quite unpalatable, but we're called to give that to message. When you hear what God says to you this morning, what did you think? Are you a Christian? Is Christ your Savior? You forgiven? Jesus is with you. It's a phenomenal message. But if you're not a Christian, you, you won't get it. Because he's not. It's as simple as that. You're either in or you're not in Christ. He's either living in you by the Holy Spirit or he isn't. A person is either going to heaven when they die or they're going to hell when they die. This is the message of Jesus. Some find it offensive. Some find it stupid. Some find it foolishness. Some find it a stumbling block. I just can't accept that. Why would a God who loves say, God is a God of justice. And that's part of the message of Jesus. God isn't some fuddy-duddy old block in the sky, staggering round from cloud to cloud with a zimmer frame. He has all authority and all power. And when we disobey God, we as a planet will suffer the consequences of disobeying God. When I as an individual disobey God, I will suffer the consequences of disobeying God. And I will receive justice at the end of my life. And dear friend this morning, so will you. No appeal, no appeal against the sentence. It's God that says, and God's just and right and true. We've all followed that horrible story of, of the, the hospital with a nurse. And that nurse is seeking the right to appeal. Whatever I think about that is irrelevant. But there is no appeal in the courtroom of God. And Jesus said, go into all the world and tell them because they need me. They need me. I am with you. Now standing in that crowd of people, there was a man called James, brother of John. Within a very short space of time really, he will be killed by Herod because of his faith. But James, I want you to know, says Jesus, that I'm going to be with you in the prison cell. 
James, I'm going to be with you as they come to take your head off your shoulders. James, I want you to know that I'm with you. John was going to go and be exiled on the Isle of Patmos because of his faith. But John, John, you don't know it, but I want you to know that when you're breaking rocks in the quarry on Patmos, I'm going to be with you. And Peter, when you do what you're going to do, with all your failings and all your faults and your flaws and doubts and fears, Peter, I want you to know that I'm going to be with you right to the very end. Friend, this morning, I am with you, carries down through Christian generations. And every time that I'm called to get out of bed in the morning to live for my Savior, I've got to know that I am with you. Some of you, I know, are going through difficult times. I know that because you're people. As a Christian, Jesus says, I am with you. Some of you are facing big decisions. I know that because you're people. And life happens to everybody, as the bumper sticker says. But Jesus says, I'm with you. I am with you. Not physically. In the context of this, they had followed Jesus physically for three years. He turned a the corner, they turned a the corner. He sat down, they sat down. He ate food, they ate food. It was going to be different. It was the end of the physical Jesus and into the spiritual reality of God coming to live in them. And Jesus has told them in John's gospel, we find this, we will come and we will make our home in you. That's the Father and Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Give us a smile if you like that. Thank you. You know... That God comes to live in this creaky old body of mine. 71 years it's been knocking about this body. I know I don't look it, but I am. And God's been living in me for 63 years, 62 years. Sometimes he feels at home. Sometimes I don't think he does. But he lives in me. And when I get up in the morning, I don't put God on. I get up in the morning and in me there is living the Holy Spirit of God. He has this annoying, we have this, no, not annoying, this wonderful habit of being there just before the alarm goes off. How does he do that? He's never after the alarm. He's always there just when, do you find that? Just when the alarm goes off, the Holy Spirit, because he lives in me. I am with you. Christian friends in North Korea, China, Iran. Christian friends that are going through tough times at work because of their faith. 
Christian friends in school having to teach stuff they don't want to believe. Christian friends in homes where they feel abused and, and let down. Christian friends that are finding life really quite wonderful at the moment. I am with you. How long for? To the very end of the age. You look ahead and he's there. <laughs> I think that's good, don't you? Even for a bass player. When I look ahead a week, he's there. Bassist, is that right? Is that the phrase bassist? Sorry about that. I want somebody to call it, I want to call somebody a bass guitarist. You want for me thrilled? A year in advance, he's there. Wherever he calls me to go through, he's there. Whatever circumstance. Whatever I go through. Difficulties that I have. Mistakes that I make. Problems that I face. Joys that I have. He's there. Thank you, he's there. I am with you. Four words of Jesus. From Matthew's gospel. Are you a worshipper? Or are you a doubter? Answer that question for yourself. Sometimes I'm a worshipper. Sometimes I'm a doubter. The words are true. I am with you. Praise his name.